service. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock a roll. Hey guys, excited to be in your feeds today talking about Phil Hartman. Just a quick heads up that over in the Disgraceland feed, we got a brand new episode on U2 in the murder of Rebecca Schaefer. Okay, this has to do with one of U2's songs uh, that inspired the killer, this guy named Robert John Bardo. Crazy story. Also, our rewind episode this week in Disgraceland uh, from our archive is on Sublime. So both those episodes are available right now. Go check them out. All right, let's talk some movies. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. And just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show, a voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this bonus episode, we are talking about Phil Hartman, your favorite whodunits, murder mysteries, my love-hate but mostly hate relationship with The Morning Show, plus my recommendations in your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right in to Phil Hartman. 
one of the greatest Saturday Night Live cast members of all time, and certainly one of the most versatile. Phil Hartman, he was a genius. There was no one like him before. Uh, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. SNL's executive producer, none other than Lauren Michaels, once said, quote, Phil has done more work that's touched greatness than probably anybody else who's ever been here, unquote. That is a heavy, heavy statement. Uh, I think if you were to ask anyone who's been through that show from any era, most of them would agree. Unfrozen caveman lawyer, the anal retentive chef, Sinatra, Iacocca, McMahon, Reagan, Clinton, and Trump. The guy had an incredible range and he just friggin' killed it every time. He also had this deadpan that was just... Uh, just, I don't know, incredibly unique and hysterical. Even beyond Saturday Night Live, though, Phil Hartman, his brief scene in So I Married an Axe Murderer, basically steals the entire movie, in my opinion. <laughs> in this cell block, this is a quote, in this cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. And one night, Kelly took a makeshift knife or a shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. That's from the script, and that's delivered by Phil Hartman, and it's fucking great. The whole movie's worth, worth those lines uh, on their own. But as much humor as there was in Phil Hartman, there was also lots of darkness, and there was darkness everywhere in California, or so it seems, in the history of, of entertainment, especially during the so-called peace and love movement that Hartman once belonged to, way before, way before he was in Saturday Night Live. And in our episode on Phil Hartman, we cover that darkness, which is uh, more wide-reaching than you think. And you guessed it, the Manson murders, the attempted assassination of President Ford, extortion, blackmail, guns, and ultimately the tragic end to Phil Hartman's life. That is the story we tell in our Badlands episode on Phil Hartman. You're going to want to check it out, okay? Also, Phil Hartman. Everybody, you know, when they think about SNL, everyone says their favorite era was when they were in high school or college, those formative years. And and I'm no different. That's true for me, too. I had an incredible era, an incredible run of SNL from when I just became conscious of comedy and television uh, that was perhaps a little more adult, a little more sophisticated when I was in high school. And it was Dennis Miller, Phil Hartman, Kevin Nealon. Adam Sandler, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, and then into the Chris Rock and David Spade era, and ultimately to Will Ferrell. I mean, damn, that was a run. And Phil Hartman transcended so much of those eras. Uh, he was around for, eight, I don't know how many years he did on SNL, but it was a ton. And in doing this episode forced me to really sit down and try to think of, okay, who are my five top SNL members of all time. And Phil Hartman's not one. He's not number one, but he's on the list. And if I'm just spitballing this question without thinking about it, I think Will Ferrell goes number one. And I think it's Will Ferrell, Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler, Phil Hartman, and my, oh my, it's hard to pick a fifth. <laughs> it's really, really, really difficult to nail down. That's a tough question. Top five SNL members. You guys got some time. You can sit down, you can grab a pen, you can grab a piece of paper, or you can just pick up the phone. 617-906-6638. Call me and let me know who you think your top five SNL members of all time are. And is Phil Hartman on that list. I want to know. Even you newbies, even you youngins, if you think it's someone from today's cast, I want to know. All right. I saw an incredible skit, a uh, new SNL skit. My friend Jackson hit me to it a couple weeks ago. I believe it was last week, actually. It was the one with Nate Bargates. And uh, am I saying that right? I don't, I don't know. I should know. And George Washington and the whole thing on the, the metric system and 
in uh, football, just fucking incredible and brand new. I was surprised. I was surprised because I stopped watching SNL a couple of years ago. Just got everything became so political. And I don't mean that in one way or another. It just became so friggin' political. And I thought it re they really peaked with that political content back with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And they, they went so far with it and created such great content that in that realm that it's, it's just hard to, to continue to do that. It's hard as a viewer to watch. I now don't want anything to do with politics when I take in entertainment. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to see when I'm watching television. But anyways, I digress. I loved that new skit. So let me know, is one of your top five SNL characters currently on the show or who, who are your top five? Let me know. I just want the list. Get it to me. 617-906-6638. All right. Text, voicemail. Speaking of which, let's get into some voicemails right now. All right, we got into some Sly Stone content in the last bonus episode because of the new Netflix doc, Sly. Uh, let's hear this voicemail from the 509. Jake, Walt from the 509. You're correct. Rocky and Rocky Two are probably two of the greatest movies ever made. A message for keep on fighting. Out. You know, that's right. I look at Rocky One. Uh, thanks for the voicemail there. I think you said your name was Walt from the 509. I always think of Rocky as a romance movie, as a love story. It's one of the greatest love stories I've ever seen. Rocky II is a little harder to categorize. It's very dramatic. But you're right. They're just, when it comes to resilience, when it comes to perseverance, there's something about that character that is instantly relatable. We can all relate to Rocky. We all have a fight in us and we all need to keep going. So I hear you, Walt or whatever your name is, 509. <laughs> it's hard to make it out. Thanks for the message. Let's do another voicemail here. This one from the 317. Hey, Jake, this is Lauren from the 318 with a 317 area code. Um, as far as the best Thanksgiving movies, planes, trains, automobiles, I don't think anything can pull the candle to that. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, Lauren from the 318 with the 317 area code. Yes, planes, trains, and automobiles. Incredible one. Incredible one. But I want more. I want more Thanksgiving. That's that's the obvious one. I want more Thanksgiving films. Guys, 617-906-6638. Lots of holiday movie talk coming up. But I want the specific Turkey Day movies. Let me know what you got. Going to take a quick break. Back in a flash. All right, 617-906-6638. Hit me with your voicemails. I want to know who your favorite SNL characters are. Top five, all right? Top five. Let's do some text here. 617-906-6638. This one comes from the 623. Hey, Jake Scott from the 623. Almost caught up on Badlands and now 100% caught up on Disgraceland. Going back a few bonus episodes to the gangster question. Of course, like many, my numero uno is Joe Pesci. Goodfellas then Casino. Yeah, you know, De Niro is probably my favorite. I don't know, De Niro's Jimmy Conway is probably my favorite gangster character. But when I think gangster, modern gangsters, I think Joe Pesci, and I think what he did in The Irishman is incredible. So I might be with you there. We had a question last week on your thoughts of how Marilyn Monroe died. Was she murdered? Did she die 
of a suicide by her own hand, or was it an accident, as was officially the case And this message from the 951, hey, Jake, definitely think Marilyn was murdered. I read that Sam, Momo, Giancana got the contract, and she knew too much. Favorite Marilyn Monroe movie is Some Like It Hot. Thanks for all you put out there, Jake. Keep rocking in the free world. You got it, 951. I think you're onto something. A lot of people think it was the Kennedys, but ah, that's just too much. I think it just came down to the fact that she knew too much about too many damn people, and she was too much of a wild card, and she got taken out, and you're right, probably by the mob. Got some great dog picks from you guys. I'm looking at Hogan here, 75-pound boxer from the 619 who writes, dumb as shit, but still a good boy. <laughs> I've got boxers in my family. They're not the brightest dogs, but they are lovable. 630 writes in, yo, Jake, love the show and everything you guys do. Thanksgiving movies I think of is Adam's Family and Four Brothers. I've never seen, well, Adam's Family? I think I've seen that with my, with well, not really, but my kids have seen it. And Four Brothers, I have never seen. Briefly Thanksgiving, anyways, is what the 630 writes. Also, going back a little bit, Julia Roberts playing herself in Ocean's 12. What? Julia Roberts doesn't play herself in Ocean's 12? No, not at all. Uh, one last thing. Love the Wu-Tang episodes. All right, that's uh, that's Disgraceland. So we're going to move on here because this is the rap party and we're talking Badlands. 617-906-6638. I appreciate all you text guys. Keep hitting me up, 617-906-6638. The voicemails, let me know who your top five SNL characters are. One last text here, this one from the 650. Yo, it's Rod from the 650. Love the podcast. It's a regular accompaniment to my gym workouts. One, Marilyn Monroe was definitely an accidental overdose. Her problem was she was seeing two shrinks who weren't communicating with each other and each prescribed medication that reacted badly with one that the other gave her. Pretty sure that's been settled by now. Well, there's some debate there, Rod. Check out the episode 617-906-6638. Hit me with your Marilyn Monroe conspiracy theories. How did she die? I want to know. I'm pretty sure I know. 617-906-6638 to take your take on this question. Voicemail, text, hit me up. I'm around. Let's get into the music connection on this week's episode. You know, Phil Hartman, the Phil Hartman we know is one thing, but the reason we wanted to tell this story, the reason, you know, we didn't want to just get into his death. There's this incredible Phil Hartman backstory that uh, you just would not expect. I guess you would. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think of Phil Hartman, you know, he's hitting our awareness in the 1980s and the 1990s. That wasn't that long from the 60s and 70s, obviously. So you don't think of him as being of that generation, but he was. And he had a whole other career before he was a famous comedian. First, he was a roadie for a band called Rockin' Foo, a gig that he got because his brother was the manager. And this led to a moment where Phil Hartman was watching Jimi Hendrix play a gig with Buddy Miles on drums. And right in the middle of the song, Buddy Miles' kick drum pedal starts to come apart. So Phil Hartman jumps on stage ducks down between Buddy and the kick drum and held the pedal in place so that Buddy could continue to play. This is something that you would see at a hardcore show at like a VFW hall in the 1990s. Wild shit. Later, Phil Hartman worked as an artist, designed album covers for bands like Poco in America. He even designed the logo that Crosby, Still and Nash used for decades. That's a fun bit of trivia there, Phil Hartman. But Phil Hartman was not known for his album art. He was known, of course, for the great film and television that he made, Saturday Night Live, and of course, The Simpsons and News Radio. 
Here's a rundown of some of his film appearances, though, because he's overlooked. He he never really helmed films. He wasn't like a big, big leading man, of course, not even a huge, huge bankable comedy star, but he's in some great movies. 1985, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which he also co-wrote with Paul Rubens. I did not know that. 1986, Three Amigos. 1994, CB4 with Chris Rock, also in 84, Coneheads, which is the SNL spinoff, and So I Married an Axe Murderer, which I mentioned before, 95, House Guests with my buddy Sinbad, 96, Sergeant Bilko with Steve Martin, and Jingle All the Way with Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, uh, again, Sinbad, 1998, Small Soldier. So, also relevant to my interests and your interests, Phil Hartman had an uncredited, quote-unquote, appearance on a Seinfeld episode called The Package in season eight, 1996, as the man on the phone. So what's your favorite Phil Hartman moment? Can be from any TV show, any SNL skit, any movie, anything. What is it? 617-906-6638. Let's celebrate this man. He was a great talent and he died in a very disgraceful manner. And uh, we need to celebrate the joy that he brought to all of us. All right. 617-906-6638. I want your best Phil Hartman characters, stories, skits. The thing about Phil Hartman that I don't know if this gets said by comedy nerds. I'm not a comedy nerd. I don't study this stuff. I don't study the history like others do. But he had this everyman quality about him that I just loved. And that sort of dry, deadpan thing. And then he could be completely over the top as... (laughs) fucking Frankenstein. He was just incredible. He was just incredible. And he died in such a horrific way. It's really brutal. Um, I hope you guys appreciate the episode that we did on Phil and Badlands. Check that out. And uh, 617-906-6638. Let me know what you think and take a quick break back with some recommendations in just a flash. All right, this is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and the television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and television that we are recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. Okay, so I married an axe murderer with Mike Myers, Phil Hartman, the small role that I mentioned at the top of the show. If you've seen this movie before, congratulations. It's really good. It's worth watching again just for the Phil Hartman piece. But also, I I may have said the opposite at the beginning. It's a really good fucking movie. And Mike Myers was onto something, man. He truly was. And you watch this movie now, and just the 90s of it all will give you a nice warm hug. It'll make you feel, feel really good inside. Okay, what else am I watching? What else have I watched? Well, I watched the latest season of The Morning Show. And uh, all due respect to Apple and the incredible content that they've put together and put out into the world. Um, I do not know how to articulate just how I feel about this show. I teach my kids to not use the word hate about anything, even trivial, like a television show. But I hate this show. I really do. I fucking hate it. I also love this show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, This show is awful. And it's impossible not to watch at the same time. My wife really wanted to watch it. We watched the other season, the, I think it was two seasons previous. And uh, I liked a good part of the previous two seasons, if not loved it. 
but I could tell where it was going and I didn't want to just watch content that had to do with COVID and be reminded of that whole shit time in history that we just went through. So I resisted, but then I gave in and I started watching it and it was painful to get through the first few episodes of the latest season. But then I found myself just being completely sucked into it, not even hate watching it, like sitting there going, God, I fucking, I can't stop looking at this, but I know it's wrong. I know it's bad. I know this writing sucks. I know that the themes they're expressing are so overwrought. They're so, they're just trying so damn hard and it's so hypocritical and it's just ridiculous. But there I was, there I was binging away, looking forward to it even. What is wrong with me? So I'm thinking about why, you know, why do we watch things we know are not good? <laughs> why? And I think in the case of this show, the star power, Jennifer Aniston with John Hamm as a love interest, I mean, I just can't look away. It's electric, boogie, woogie, woogie, or whatever. It's just, it's just fucking, I just, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I want to know what you guys think of the show. 617-906-6638. Maybe you'll sympathize with me. Maybe you won't. Maybe you think I'm completely ridiculous. And you know what? That's fair. That's completely fair. I don't know if there's going to be another season of this show. I feel like there shouldn't be. But uh, I don't know. Billy Crudup, just hats off to you, brother. You managed to create a completely awful character that I just wanted to watch uh, every night for the last week and a half. So thank you very much. Also watched... The new Pete Holmes special, the comedian Pete Holmes, You Made It Weird, on Netflix, stand-up special, uh, filmed in, I believe, Minneapolis. Pete Holmes is the Massachusetts comic here from my backyard. He teamed up with Judd Apatow a couple of years ago, did a series for HBO called Crashing that was really good. He's just got a really unique point of view and background, and like I said, unique point of view on things, and the special's great. I really dug it. Uh, <laughs> really fulfilled my joy quota. Uh, that's from the special. Listen to the special. You'll get what I'm talking about. Also watched a couple of old movies, real old, from the 1940s, Otto Preminger's Laura, which is a pretty good, if not great, murder-ish mystery with a young Vincent Price, who, really young Vincent Price, who incredibly is playing some sort of Southern dandy. That's actually the Pete Holmes connection. We were watching this, my wife and I, we were watching Laura, and she's like, this guy reminds me of Pete Holmes. And then we're like, oh yeah, he's got a new special. Let's check that out. So we briefly abandoned Laura, watched Pete Holmes. And then uh, I went back to Laura the following day. Check that out. Otto Preminger, who of course went on to make great movies in the 60s. Also watched another super old movie. This one from the 30s called Phantom of Crestwood. Not great, but I don't know. I'm into this like, you know, I'm watching movies from the 30s. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> silent movies are next for me. I just keep going backward. And it's not about enjoying them. It's about watching how these movies came to life with the limited production and sort of in the, in the early years of just the medium and trying to pull this whole thing together out in Hollywood. I find it fascinating. Also, there's the weird kind of pre-code era where they could get away with all this shit momentarily that they couldn't get away with right afterward. I don't know what that line was, the pre-code line. I'll find out. I'll come back. I'll talk to you guys about it next week. But Phantom of Crestwood is a murder mystery from 1932. Kind of pre-clue, 
pre-Knives Out type mysteries from way back. I love those movies. I love the just straight up murder mystery. I find that a lot of them aren't done well, but what are some great ones? Give me some recommendations. What are your favorite murder mysteries where you do not know what's going to happen? You don't know who's to blame. You don't know who killed the dude or killed the girl and you're going to find out. And there's all these head fakes. I love that shit. 617-906-6638, favorite murder mysteries. Let me know who done it. All right, I'm gonna take a quick break. Back in a flash. All right, we are back. Let's recap. Number one, The Obvious, our brand new episode on Phil Hartman is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands for Thanksgiving week. We're all going to break. We're all going to go eat some food, hang out with our families. We get recharged. We're going to be releasing some archive episodes, one on River Phoenix on Wednesday and another on Tim Allen coming on Friday. Uh, over in the Disgraceland feed, we just dropped a new episode on YouTube as well. We got a rewind episode coming up on Sublime. Call me, 617-906-6638. Top five SNL cast members. Let me know. Favorite Phil Hartman skits. Let me know. Favorite whodunits mystery movies. Let me know. 617-906-6638 voicemail and text. Number five, I got a split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading you the script from So I Married an Axe Murderer. A cell. Park Ranger. This is the cell for solitary confinement that over the years has come to be known as Times Square. Tony and Charlie are at the back of the tour group. Tony, so did you and Harriet, you know, Charlie grinning, shh, I don't want to talk about it. Tony, with that look, you don't have to talk about it. The grin alone can get you five to seven years. Charlie, Tony, get your mind out of the gutter. All you need to know is that she's a sweet, kind, and loving person. Park Ranger. Now, this is something none of the other tour guides will tell you. In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. One day, in a jealous rage, Kelly took a makeshift knife for shit and cut out his bitch's eyes. Look, what can I tell you? Now this is something none of the other I don't know. I just started talking. This because then I said, "Yeah, that's not." Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.